Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Hello, you're very welcome back to Open Book presented by Go Loud. I'm Louise Cooney and I'm so excited to introduce OnPost as our new sponsor for Open Book. The written word has always been at the heart of OnPost and both OnPost and Books continue to connect people all over the world. So they are the perfect sponsor and I'm so thrilled to have them on board. As you may or may not know, this podcast originated from our virtual book club, which I launched back in 2020. We met on Zoom every week and created just a really lovely community of people that I did not want to let go of. The podcast was then born. I thought a podcast would be a better way to reach everyone now that normal, busy life has fully resumed. You can listen in your own time, no matter where you are or what you're doing. Throughout the first season, we ran a book club here on the pod. And this season, we're focusing on open and honest conversations about life and the stories that shape us. We've had several incredible authors as guests on the podcast, with more to come over the rest of the season. Today, we have Chupi as our special guest, the jewellery designer, the entrepreneur, the mother, the huge supporter of women in business. I'm so excited to have her on. She's an amazing storyteller. She's created an incredible business and I'm just very excited to hear more from her. Chupi brought me gorgeous flowers today, gorgeous red peonies to celebrate my news that myself and Mark are expecting. She has a three-year-old daughter at home, so it was just nice to be able to chat to her about what that looked like managing your own business and having a daughter. And she is an amazing woman to take advice from. So we started off chatting about that and then we got into the business and everything in between. It was a really nice chat. So I really hope you enjoy it. Chupi, I'm so excited and honoured to have you here today. I know how busy you are. So thank you so much for making the time. Oh, it's my honour. What a joy to be here with you, Louise. It's been amazing being with you on the journey and now to do this together. I know, and we've lots to catch up on. We do. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We've had so much to gossip about. We have to make sure we keep it all on track. Yes. So we were just chatting before we started recording about the pregnancy news and trying to get some advice and words of wisdom (laughs) from Chupi, who manages everything. You have your business, which is huge, and you have your daughter, who's only turning three. So she takes a lot of your time as well. And I would say, like, I, I think it's becoming a parent. So we had a very long road to having our girl. Mm. And I think in a way it was amazing because it made us so grateful yeah. for parenthood, mm-hmm. for motherhood. You know, I kind of always expected to have kids. And then when we found out we couldn't, it was such a shock. Yeah. And so then when she arrived, it is chaos and insanity and magic and wonder. And Louise, I was like, I think our job as women is not to sugarcoat it, but to celebrate it. Yeah. There's loads of challenges about it, but there's such privilege and love to having a tiny little human being in your world. I think I'm like going through phases of being like, oh my God, I can't believe this is finally happening. (laughs) And then I also, I'm so scared and I'm like, is my whole identity going to change? Is my whole life going to change, you know? And it's really funny because I think, like, I think both things are true at once, which is you completely change and you don't change yeah. at all. Yeah. But you're going from two of you to three of you. Like, it's a transformative. You're going from being responsible pretty much for yourself mm-hmm. to being responsible for this tiny little person. And, and mm. so it's a huge journey. Someone described it as um, leaving womanhood and entering motherhood. And so you still, womanhood is there as a huge mm. part of it. You are forever and ever a mother. You're always yeah. going to be someone's mom. And that's such an honour like, to get to be someone's person. It's huge. Yeah. I don't think it happens overnight either. Like, I, I don't feel like a mother yet. You know, that no, kind of you didn't. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yet, yeah. You know? And for some people, it comes really quickly. For some yeah. people, it, it takes longer. And, and it's a complicated. And I don't think, like, I think that's what 
I always think about so much of what we do at Cheapy. It's not about, like I was saying, hallmark moments mm. and perfection. And like yeah. one day you conceive and then you are a mother and you yeah. know how to cope in all of the circumstances and situations. It's more a journey and it's different for everybody. But yeah. I would say I think our job is probably figuring out how to be ourselves and hold ourselves. Because yeah. if you imagine our mums and less so, as in, um, I'm much older than you. I'm nearly 40, 40 next year, obviously. In the business of diamonds, I am counting down the days to 40. And I'm planning the diamond I'm going to get by 40. And I'm so excited for it. Unlike most people, I'm like, yay, 40. I can't wait. Um, but my mum, you know, would have come from an era when you gave up work when you got mm. pregnant. Like you That's gave crazy. up work when you got married. You gave up work when you got pregnant and you lost your identity. You became from a woman into um, into someone's mum. And not that work is tied up in that, but we get to think about how would we like to shape the world around us? How yeah, much we're do so we lucky. want? Yeah. And do we want to stay at home with our babes? Do we want to go to work? Do we want to blend in between? And so we get to shape mm-hmm. the future for our next generation mm-hmm. who are just arriving yeah. and equally for generations to come. So it's important. It's an active decision. It was illegal, wasn't it, to work? 1974. Once you got married, wasn't yeah. it? So yeah, so 1974, it was illegal up until 1974, the marriage ban was in place. Like that's not even that long ago. It's not that long ago <laughs> at all. It's literally not the dark ages, but contraception was 84. Yeah. It was illegal till 84. So my mum, Rosita Sweetman, was one of the founders of the women's movement. Oh, wow. So mum was one of the 13 women who, um, the contraceptive train, so contraceptives were legal in the south of Ireland, but they were legal in the north of Ireland. So a whole gang of them went up north, bought a whole bunch of contraceptives, staged a big protest, called all the press and were throwing around contraceptives oh being like God. look it's legal and actually as it turned out what happened when they got the train up north is they realised that actually whilst they were legal in the north you could only get them on prescription so the pills they were throwing around at the press call were actually paracetamol oh. so they were literally like having this big photo call about how important it was that women as women we have the right to choose how crazy? and when we get pregnant but actually it was paracetamol because it was all the they could get it's crazy to think that it's not that long that ago was, that would have been quite controversial at Hugely the time controversial. Well, like, you know, and now it's so normal for all of us and it's not that long ago. So we yeah. are reshaping motherhood yeah. this generation for us. Yeah, we're going to have to figure all that out. Mark gets two weeks paternity. Oh my God. But I'm lucky I'm flexible. Like, and I've yes. always said that like when the time comes when this happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm so lucky, you yeah. know, that I can Usually. work from home. And yeah. so we'll work it out. And I look at people like you. Yeah. And, and you work you know, it out with your support system. Like I, you know, I would always say our girl has about six parents on the mm-hmm. IF pretty much on any given day. So my mum lives with mm-hmm. us. We have an amazing minder. Brian and I are really involved together yeah. and you, you make it work and you like it just means you have to shape your life around, you know, what do you want to do? So yes. like I try and finish work at five o'clock every day. The 2p I could work every every hour of the day. And it does mean sometimes I go back on in the evening and check in, mm-hmm. but it means I get those kind of hours before bedtime. Should be turned. 10 this year right? I know yeah my first baby let's be clear yeah, yeah thank you yeah my first baby is 10 years old and my little baby is about to be 3 so yeah huge 10 is huge we did a whole rebrand with yeah. new packaging new Gorgeous. logo we're going to be opening a flagship store in Dublin in the autumn and then looking at flagship in London next year so yeah really it's really exciting it's huge that is huge and yeah. so many changes and yeah. such an exciting new chapter kind of like motherhood though it's like an overnight thing that takes in my case 10 years yeah. and the same way in that motherhood is like kind of a few years journey I always think uh, you know we're an overnight success that took a decade Well before we dive more into that let's go back to the very start you started off in Topshop right and designing dresses and clothes how did that come about and so 
uh, that is quite literally the dark ages. 18, 19 years ago, my God. So 19 years ago, I had a little fashion label as mm. my way of paying my way through school and college. So a little tiny label and like by I mean a label as and I sold a couple of dresses a week. And so we, there was this little market down at Temple Bar called Cow's Lane Fashion Market. Mm-hmm. And I actually, some of my dearest friends are still from there. Courtney, Maria and Lydia are still, we're all so close because we, every weekend we'd go set up our stalls at this market, like literally take the rails out of the car, hang the dresses mm-hmm. up, put up a pop-up dressing room and, um, it was such an incredible experience and I always think you know your job as a designer like my job at Chupi is making things that make people happy mm-hmm. my job is like when I think about our diamonds about the pieces it's not to make you know art is about making one beautiful thing and hanging it on a wall mm-hmm. and admiring it whereas design is about making something that makes someone happy yeah. so those very early days quite literally standing in front of someone as they tried on a dress and went I love this I hate this you know it was such a good groundwork for what came next mm-hmm. which was Topshop yeah I have Clue Active so I understand the feeling when you get something really right and it's amazing. like I live in these these make me feel comfortable these make me feel good so I can only imagine that times 10 I suppose by diamonds when it's engagements it's really important moments in people's lives I think as a designer they're like the most fun in the whole world like as a creative director so my role in GP right now I'm CEO and creative director and I think as a creative director which I know you are so firmly in for Clue you're in that kind of same space of CEO and creative director it's that excitement of someone it's that, you know, that feeling when you try on the dress mm. or you put on the ring and you just, you move differently, you mm-hmm. feel differently. You're just like, how did I live without this? Mm-hmm. And I think I got addicted to that buzz in working in, in the fashion market with my little brand mm-hmm. while I was in uni. And then Topshop, we're just about to open. And I always have to say, um, Topshop was once terribly cool. It's not anymore, but... Um, I, I loved Topshop oh, for years. I miss it there. I know? thought it was it was so amazing. So they opened their first flagship in Ireland on just on Stephen's Green and they were so scouting for designers to come design for the new store and they came through the market one day and I got given a business card I'll never forget it I actually should have kept it I know it's somewhere somewhere in my archive was this business card from a buyer mm-hmm. a buyer for Topshop and I was just like a what? And so I went and did an interview and basically ended up leaving college and going and joining Topshop. Wow. So I was 21 at the time, so that's 18 years ago now. Uh, November 2005, I'll never forget, 5th of November 2005. I still celebrate it. You were the youngest designer. I was. I was yeah. the youngest ever recruited. I was a baby. I was 21. Yeah, like I was incredible. so, so young. I remember I was so young and so naive. that So the launch night happened. It's huge. They phone in a whole bunch of people from the UK. Big party. Um, and... We sold out. So if you imagine this kind of, like I remember having was 12 linear feet. So in retail, you will think linear feet. How many feet do you have? Mm. And so we had 12 linear feet just off Grafton Street. And uh, it sold out. Literally, I remember at the end of the night, there was three skirts on the rail. And I was so new to the game. I didn't realise that every shop has the same amount of stock in the back room as they have on the shop floor. I'd never heard of replen. Mm. I didn't know you were meant to have extra. So we literally sold out and it was frantic. Like trying to, <laughs> like I had an amazing team. We were like, literally, I, I remember that week I had all of my friends over at my house sewing labels into the clothes. Wow. We made everything in Ireland. So they were, we made locally and then we were literally hand stitching in the labels so that we could get, it was insane. <laughs> all part of the learning. It was. Yeah, there's always things like that in business, isn't there? Where you're oh, like, like, oh, we didn't prepare for this, you like, know. And like, it's the dream. A sellout is always the yeah, dream. Yeah. But it was a learning curve. I was 21 when I joined them and 27 when I left. Them. Why did you decide to leave? Um, so when I got scouted, I remember talking to my college at the time and saying, do you think I should take the opportunity? And they were very sweet. And they said, no, we, you know, you should stay in college, finish your education, you know, do this and then go on to do your degree and your master's. And I kind of felt... 
I got where they were coming from, but I thought, no, I want to take that. If I look back and I always think, I ask myself this question all the time, what are the things I'll regret? You know, what do I regret? When, am I gonna, when I'm 65, what am I going to be looking back on and think, yes, I did the right thing or no, I did the wrong thing. And actually, ultimately, I always knew that I would never regret taking the risk of joining Topshop. Absolutely. And so I knew that, I like, what was the worst that was going to happen? And so, but I also knew I wouldn't do it when I grew up. And for me, grown up was in my 40s. I always yeah. knew I wouldn't work in fashion in my 40s. Yeah. And so that was a huge part of leaving. And Topshop is now gone from the high street. It is. Do you think it's that it's too difficult to keep retail in this day and age when online has become so important? Or is it that it just couldn't keep up with the times? I think there's a huge challenge for fashion brands in that, you know, some of them like Zara are amazing. They are, Mm. you know, exceptional. Like they have a lot to do on their ethics, but they're Mm -hmm. exceptional in terms of their design capability, how fast they can turn out cutting edge contemporary design work. And Topshop at that point, when I joined them, had Jane Shepherdson as their creative director, phenomenal woman, and Kate Moss collaborations. You know, they just had the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And if you lose that, that connection with why, you know, that thing, that what people wearing why are they wearing it what makes them happy it'd be like if we suddenly decided at GP like actually maybe we should just go everything rose gold we're going to go rose gold we're going to go blue stones we're going to like because we had a whim that it felt like a move and it's not that rose gold isn't beautiful it's not that blue stones aren't beautiful blue stones and rose gold you know they lost connection with their why who were they serving you know mm-hmm. what were they making for yeah. whereas Zara knows what it's doing it mm. is producing catwalk knockoffs at lightning speed for a really fashion conscious consumer mm-hmm. and so I think Topshop really lost its why and so like many retailers yeah it didn't make it I wonder will Zara keep up that pace because it's a fast pace like isn't it huge and but that huge turnaround they've built their business model around it mm. so um we're doing this really fascinating program with Enterprise Ireland at the moment and we're doing a big case study on Zara and they literally have built their design and manufacturing process. So it's two or three weeks to market. So from the day they see it to the day to market, every designer is churning out like something like eight finished designs a day. So they've literally built their supply chain so that they can iterate as fast as possible. I think their bigger threat is probably a drive for sustainability. Mm. And look, I recognise the hypocrisy as in Shein holes are all over the place um, and it's not like, you know, Shein versus Zara, the challenges with both of them. Mm -hmm. But I think what Zara is doing, as long as we want to wear fashion forward, like that direct from the catwalk piece, they've built their business model to serve it, which is Mm. the question we all have to answer as whether we are building businesses or working in brilliant businesses. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, do we serve our customer? Do we serve our community? I always think actually it fascinates me. We get obsessed with what we do. We make diamond rings, but actually why we do it. Why does someone buy a diamond ring? They're not like, oh, it's a nice ring. It's Mm -hmm. shiny. If you wanted something shiny, maybe you'd go to Primark. Maybe you'd go to AliExpress. Mm -hmm. You can buy shiny anywhere. But actually what we do the why is we mark the biggest moments in people's lives. We are love, hope and everything in between. Mm-hmm. The day you fall in love, the day you get married, mm-hmm. equally the day you get divorced, the day you leave the terrible relationship, the day you have your beautiful baby, you welcome them into the world. And so we, as a business, we always get obsessed. We are obsessed with the what. Yes. We make diamond rings, we make carbon neutral, gold, we use recycled diamonds. It's a lot of what, but actually... The why is much more important. Mm -hmm. Love, hope and everything in between. That's why you buy a diamond. It's why you mark a moment in your life. And so I think that's the balance we all have to remember. I love hearing you talk. Yeah. You can just hear how passionate you are yeah. about it. And it's such it's such a good story. And it's, I'm like, when you start telling it, I'm like, tell me, yeah. who, when, where, who, like all these moments. Were you always interested in jewellery in that way? 
I think I was always, always interested in designing and making things. So I got my first sewing machine when I was five. Mm -hmm. So quite literally a working Singer sewing machine. Like it would never get past health and safety now. (laughs) It literally was like a little mini sewing machine and with a real working paddle that had a real needle that you could sew actual, like I made my dolls had outrageous outfits from it. (laughs) But it was that, it was making jewellery. My mum had, um, so my mum had worked out in Central America, so Guatemala, Honduras and then down into Peru. I would have been with the aid agencies as a journalist. And so she had literally drawers full of beads and gemstones and things she'd picked up on her mm-hmm. travels so like beautiful amber from Peru gorgeous detailed beads from Guatemala so we were always taking them apart and making new mm. things and that that love of making things which became a love of making things that made people happy I would was pretty much always designing for someone else not just for me mm-hmm. being like how would you wear like you know if you were wearing a necklace what would it look like you know I loved that I've always thought of it as kind of like a giant puzzle trying to figure out what someone else would love, what they'd wear, how they'd wear it. And then the joy of seeing that happiness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say my childhood was all of the things, whether it was clothes or fashion or, but it was making, a lot of making. It's create, it's the creative. uh, Yeah, it's that creative love. Yeah. Where did the idea for Chupi come from? Well, Brian always says he needs to get more credit for this. So Brian, my husband, we met when we were kids. So when we were 16 and um, he told me, he says two weeks and I say three weeks that he was going to marry me he was like we're gonna get married and I was like don't be ridiculous I was like I don't know if I want to get married like it's such a ridiculous idea like if we love each other we'll stay together why would Mm -hmm. we ever bother getting married Uh, like impressively cynical Louise like (laughs) um, given that so much what we do now is about love but at 16 I definitely didn't really see the point in getting married so fast forward 10 years two three weeks after you met literally Two or th- he's, I I think wow. he said it three weeks afterwards and he says he says it two weeks afterwards. Aww. Yeah, he was like, he was, he's very, very sweet about it. Like he was just like one and done. He was like, I'm in love. And so cute. Yeah, really <laughs> sweet. If you think about cynical kind of 16, 17 year old boys, it yeah. was really lovely. Yeah, he was very, yeah, he, he is a real romantic. And so it took him, so ten, fast forward 10 years later and we're in Montpellier in the south of France. It's actually a beautiful city. And um, we've just arrived, we've just gone off a train from Barcelona. So we'd spent a few days in Barcelona and then we're coming to Montpellier for a few days. And Brian kept trying to convince me to go for a walk to the Botanic Gardens. I said, it's really weird. So Brian, if you had to imagine someone who liked Botanic Gardens, Brian would be on the planet furthest from that description. He just is not a, like, whereas I love, I like, I was brought up in Wicklow. Yeah. I love flowers and wild outdoors and like how gorgeous. And he spent the whole day trying to persuade me. And I was really tired because we'd kind of been out when we were in Barcelona and we kind of thought of Montpellier as like our sleepy, like just chill out time. And I was reading a book on the balcony. And anyway, eventually he gave up. He was like, okay, fine. I was like, just really strange. I couldn't have got the clue if you literally held the ring in front of my face. I wouldn't have realized. <laughs> so eventually he persuaded me to go out for dinner, which says everything about me. I will will travel for food. I was like, I was okay, cool. This place that does this amazing steak and a chocolate fondant. And I was like, deadly, I'm done. Across the park we went. Um, on the way back through, he was like midnight by a fountain. It was as beautiful and cliched and perfect as it could have been. And he got down on one knee and pulled this gorgeous gold ring out of his pocket and asked me would I marry him. And 10 years later, my opinion had changed. And uh, I said, yes. And it was, yeah, it was gorgeous. And I remember wearing my engagement ring for those days afterwards and thinking, and I tell this story all the time because it was so profound. So that is 13 years ago. And I remember holding it for the first time and thinking, I quite literally own a piece of the future. Your jewellery, you know, if you ask your mum, ask your granny to tell the story of their lives, they will tell it through their jewellery. You know, it's literally our living autobiography. It's the day you met, the day you fell in love, the day you got married, the day you welcomed your baby into the world. All of the biggest moments in our our lives are marked by jewellery. And this was my first piece of the future. 
I was, you know, 26. I'd been working in this crazy fashion career. So I had some cool fashion stuff, mm-hmm. but I'd never bought myself a piece of fine jewellery. And so it was quite profound. And I was like, my God, I, like one day my daughter, who at that point was fictitious, you know, it took another 14 years, no, 11 years from that day before she arrived. So it was like, I was going, oh, one day my daughter will own this ring. And uh, just felt really inspired, came home. It took a little while afterwards, but it ultimately ended up quitting my job and setting up Chupi. Wow. I love that story. It's so personal to you, isn't it? And it was, yeah, it was a, like, I, I I, guess in some ways it was a quarter life crisis. Mm. I knew I wasn't going to do fashion when I grew up. I knew I had this burning passion. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think I was I was really lucky in that mum always told us we could do anything we wanted to do. Yeah. And as long as we would work hard enough, you mm-hmm. know, as long as you were prepared. And that doesn't mean, I like, I think if I decided I was taking up a singing career, she mm-hmm. would have very gently talked me off the cliff and mm-hmm. be like, darling, I love you. <laughs> maybe steer your passion in that direction. Yeah. But for me, it felt like the natural culmination of everything I'd done. Yeah. And Ireland doesn't necessarily have a reputation for luxury, for jewellery. There's some incredible brands changing that. Like you look at Simone Rasha, J.W. Mm-hmm. Anderson, you know, some really, and there's been some phenomenal brands and businesses. But uh, so it was definitely, an, and so that was a conversation. Did we move to London? My dad and my sister are based in London, my mom and brother here. But um no, we really wanted to start and build Chupi here, here yeah. at home. Dublin and is home, Ireland is home. Ten plus years later, you're still, yeah, still working here. here. And Brian now works with you in the company. He does indeed. How do you find that? Like, is that hard to manage that work-life balance? I Well, I think work-life balance is probably a fiction. <laughs> if any work, I don't know anyone who's actually achieved it. This idea of this perfect ratio where we all get the right amount of work and the right amount of home and friends. And I feel like it's a fluctuation. You know, mm. some days I'm an amazing CEO. And some days I'm an amazing mom. Some days I'm an amazing friend. Some days I'm an amazing daughter. Some mm. days I'm an amazing sister. I rarely get to be all of them on one day. Mm. I'm sometimes an amazing wife. Poor Brian, I left him the last on the list. That's terrible. <laughs> but like, um, but some, I can't be all of them. I'm rarely all of them on the same day. And so Brian has been such a, it's actually, I'm almost teasing that one of my best advice to young founders is to marry your CTO. Terribly useful. I thoroughly <laughs> recommend it. So Brian's our Chief Technology Officer at Chupi. He has been instrumental in guiding so much of what we've done over the last 10 years. He would have done a lot of advice. He, he's actually done a lot of work with some incredible big businesses, the likes of Morgan McKinley, the likes of News Talk. Uh, so he's worked across some really interesting roles. And he did that whilst I was building Chupi at the very start. But he was always there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, okay, Brian, how are we building this piece of technology? Yeah. It was he who brought in the developers. It was like, okay, what are we doing with our website? Yeah. He did the user experience on it. So it was in 2019 when I finally, four years ago, when I finally convinced him to come join us. And it has been amazing. It's not that we don't argue, but we argue anyway. We are both really opinionated, really passionate, yeah. both eldest children. Uh-huh. Um, and so we definitely still argue and fight and talk it out. But I think what really makes it work is we have really deep respect for the others. Yeah skill set and Mm -hmm. what they do and what they bring and I understand like you know if Brian says this is it I'm like okay this is it this is how we're doing it and Mm -hmm. likewise if I'm like no no this is the direction he's like yeah cool that's the direction and um, we also have a brilliant co-director so there's three Mm -hmm. of us so we have three at director level so it's myself Brian and then Kate our other colleague and having that balance of the three of us I would say it means that we have a sort of roving dictatorship so sometimes Kate and I will be like okay cool this is it Brian will be like guys. Likewise, sometimes it's Brian and I and Kate is like, come on. And sometimes it's Brian and Kate. And so I've made really sure founder-led companies are amazing. There's so much power Mm -hmm. and strength in them. Mm -hmm. But I really feel my superpower, if I had to think about scaling Chupi and the thing that's driven so much impact is the ability to work with people who are better than me. 
everyone who's joined the business has been better than me. They've added so much value and so much opportunity. And so I don't bring my ego into the room. I love working with people who are brilliant. Mm-hmm. I had a call, was on a call with our uh, social media manager on Friday and it was brilliant. I literally was just taking notes. I was like, okay, Flora, tell me why, we, why do we do this? And she was like, well, this is actually driving this. And I was like, tell me about that. And I love learning and I love learning and I love yeah. growing. And so I'd say I take the same attitude to Brian. Yeah, no, that's great. And what what do you do to switch off? What's your... Actually, I I really love... um, Someone taught me this during the summer. So I do a lot of professional development. I think it's really important. So that continuous professional... You and I obviously met through Going for Growth, the amazing female entrepreneurship program. And I do a lot of brilliant stuff through there. And one of the things I... One big thing I did on on a project I'm on at the moment was learning what hat are you wearing? Which is a really interesting one because I wear many hats. I'm a CEO. I'm a creative director in some rooms. I am a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. So I've about seven or eight hats I wear in any mm-hmm. given moment. And so it's remembering that when I finish work for the day and I'm with my daughter and my husband, I take off the CEO hat. I take mm. off creative director. I'm mom. I'm wife. And in, they're likewise with friends. So actually my friends are really private. They're not part of my kind of very public life. Mm-hmm. So it's remembering the hat I'm wearing in the room. What room am I in and what hat am I wearing? And it sounds really obvious, but actually sometimes it can be easy to still wear your work hat. Yeah. Even when you're off for the weekend and you're down doing, you know, you're mm-hmm. away with your friends. Yeah. So a lot of what we do is, uh, it sounds really funny, we eat. We do a lot of eatings. We do a lot of cooking. We have friends around for dinner all the time. We do a lot like everyone around for lunch. We go to like other, you know, go to friends' houses. We do a lot of eating and hanging out. Yeah. We're probably post-partying right now because of all the tiny kids yeah, so we're not course, really yeah. in a, like an out-out age but like over dinner party friends like that's the, our bank holiday plans are all about yeah. uh, hanging out with our gang and, and you have your boundaries for work and for life and that's I try to yeah. they're not always perfect but I do as much as possible mm-hmm. be like okay you know what what am I doing in this room you know um, yeah. we went away I was saying to you earlier that we were celebrating Two of my friends, it was their 20 year anniversary of moving mm. to Ireland, mm-hmm. which is such a huge thing to celebrate. Like, you know, Irish people have done it for, for literally generations yeah. of choosing to go somewhere else, of choosing a different country and yes. a different home. And when we were all out together uh, in January, and we were like, my God, like it's literally 20 years for both of them this year. So we rented this ridiculous castle in Kilkenny. Uh, Airbnb is basically my hobby. This ridiculous crumbling old castle down in Kilkenny. Eight of us went away with the kids and uh, just hung out and cooked and ate and talked nonsense, made loads of cocktails. Mm. Like, it was magical. You have a knack for finding really cool. Oh, well, like, <laughs> I well, it's because it's one of those because it's one of those things. I feel like we speed through our lives. You know, we are running for a finish line. Yeah. But what's the finish line? What's the moment? Yeah. Uh, Brian and I got really interested in this idea of seasons. That mm. we have seasons in our life, and some of them are fast, and some of them are slow. And the only way you make breaks is so. I actually sit down in January every year, Louise, and I plan out our year for travel. Mm. So every year I'll go, okay, cool. I'm here for work, here for work, here for work. Brian's here for work. This is when we're going away with my family. This is when we're going away. So actually in two weeks, we're going away with my husband's family. We're going to Portugal. So there'll be his parents, all of us, the kids, and then all of the grandchildren together for a week. And we're going to, then it was going away with our gang to Kilkenny. Uh, we're going away with another. We've got this gorgeous pink castle this time down in July in Waterford with wow. a gang of friends. And honestly, this so this is our kind of, our college and school gang who we probably meet up. Like, honestly, if we do twice a year, it's a miracle because we're all across different countries. Now. Yeah. But it's a week. We'll go to this ridiculous big, mad pink castle down on it looks the most beautiful thing you've ever seen down in Waterford and we'll just hang out the kids will run riot all day like they will we and we will all the kids in bed by seven o'clock and then we'll have cocktails and talk and so yeah I've made a point of I think because of that 
life race of making sure that I put anchors in my calendar. Yeah. Because otherwise you get to the end of the year and you realise you haven't made space and you haven't made time. And you have to plan ahead, I think, sometimes for these things when life gets really busy and especially when there's kids involved. Well, like you have a very busy life right now and your babe hasn't even arrived. Like it is a crazy tornado. And I I think, I guess, I want to look back and that self-reflection piece, I want to look back on the year and say I made time for the people I love. I made time for my Uh mum. I made time for, like I had to be with her amazing grandparents. I can tell you have a lot of respect for your mom, and I read in an interview you've done previously she lives with you. She does. We're really different and really similar yeah. all at once. Um, so it was during COVID, and uh, Brian and I bought our first house. Thought it was our forever home. Had like renovated it from literally like took the plaster off the walls level of renovation. It was insane. Painted it with so much love and care, and then during COVID, um, my mum lived one point nine seven kilometers from us. Oh, wow. And numbers. I'm obsessed with numbers and how they impact us. And I remember thinking, if she'd been 2.1 kilometres, what would we have done? I know. You know. We were so lucky to have her within our distance. And, you know, it didn't mean that, like, it was, you know, she's older we, and I was pregnant. It wasn't like we were, weren't hanging out together, but it just meant we could, you know, go over and sit on her doorstep and she could come sit on ours. Yeah. And so um, it was that Christmas 2020 and Brian was like, mum had sold our family home in Wicklow and was buying in Dublin near Brian and I so that she could be close for the baby coming and she wanted to be, you know, wanted Involved, to be really near course, us. Yeah. And Brian was like, this is crazy. Why is your mum buying a second house? Like, why do we want two houses? He had adored his granny. So mm. App had this amazing relationship with his granny and he just thought, oh, like, I want our girl to have that. We knew we were a really long road. We knew Aya is so special and we know it's only going to be her. So we we kind of had a funny clarity in that we knew what the next 10 years was going to look like. Mm. As much as you can ever look like, we knew kind of what the next 10 years was going to look like. And so 18 months after we bought our first house, we sold it, which was crazy. Uh, it was a roller coaster. sold our house in another lockdown and then ultimately bought a house with mum. Mm-hmm. So our mum lives in the garden apartment. So we have separate front doors, separate kitchens, separate sitting rooms and a shared staircase. Amazing. So it means I can run down the stairs and knock on granny's door and her may may is what she calls my mum. And it's such a privilege. Yeah, yeah we're so, so lucky. Sweet. It's so yeah. They're so nice to be able to build those memories. Huge. Yeah. It's called intergenerational living. Yeah. And it's a, apparently a huge trend because it's funny. Some people are horrified. You know, they were like, I could not live with my mum if you paid me. Uh-huh. And for some people, it's amazing. And I, I think for us, it works really well. Um, you know, it means it means Aya has mum there yeah. as that support. It means funny things like for anyone who has kids. Um, so for some of our friends, you know, getting a babysitter, they might get out twice a year. You know, just getting a babysitter is so impossible. Whereas for Brian and I, it means on a Wednesday evening, we can pop Aya's mm-hmm. monitor into mum and go out and have a glass yeah. of wine together or so see nice. our friends. And yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, that's kind of something we're in the, well, not in the process of it, but we're, we're considering at the moment is like, how are we going to, I don't know, get that support? So Hugely. we're looking to move. We're in a two bed at the moment. Yeah. And it's just not really enough. Like we Hugely. have space, but to have someone stay comfortably that's quite often, that you just want a bit more space, no, you, you know? And you need that because that you're going to need that support of someone coming, like your mom coming yeah. to stay for four or five days. And it's having the first that. grandchild on both sides. So I know oh both, my God. I know <laughs> both grandparents will want to be So involved. they're going to want to also yeah. be there, all the grannies so and we granddads. Have so many changes ahead of us. I'm like, what is my life going to look <laughs> well, like in a year's time? it's going to be so different and it's so huge but I think just anticipating that and thinking about like actually you know they say it takes a village to raise a child Mm. and the big challenge for us is that we don't have our villages Mm. really because we are tend to be you know we we sometimes are living too far away from our families we're all working such long hours we don't really have that kind of Mm -hmm. like automatic village of all of the babies being reared together and also as women so many of us want to work and so we aren't necessarily you know there isn't this kind of huge community of mums who are staying at home 
And so it means you've got to be really like considered on how you curate that village and that gang around you, yeah. you know, and how do you, uh, yeah, and it was so funny when I got pregnant, uh, Brian's folks were like, you know, will you move move closer to us? And uh, we live in town, we live in Dublin. And so we we decided to stay, but it meant, you know, it would have been amazing. They're incredible. They do, you know, they would have been very happy taking an eye out mm-hmm. and um, done full-time childcare. But after selling the house, moved out to the countryside for, for six months, had a wonderful time, but knew it wasn't for us because uh, happiness and we all define happiness differently but one of my love languages one of my forms of happiness is proximity to the people mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. so one of my best friends lives literally 12 minutes walk away mm-hmm. like we are you know it's like it's Tuesday evening bottle of wine territory we, yeah. in the garden we can do it my brother lives half an hour down the road with his amazing fiance my mum lives downstairs yeah. our friends have literally just moved in like 40 minutes walk away so our whole gang mm-hmm. live within we have this running joke that basically we all bought on the same bus route. Like, and, yeah. But it was quite intentional. I remember when our, you know, as each of them have bought, it's been like, okay, where are we going and what are we doing? Because yeah. that community is so important. Yeah. It is for me. Yeah, I'm no, and for me as well. I yeah. just remember feeling that during COVID probably Hugely. mostly yeah. and everyone felt it during that. Like it mattered how close you were to people. I was living in New York and I came back to be around people. And now where we're looking, one of my best friends is pregnant, which I told you, because I know you have a best friend who has a baby around the same age. Literally 10 weeks between Aya and one of her best friends. It is the greatest gift in the whole. It's such a privilege. Like yeah. I, I knew we were lucky, but like my to God. To have someone going through so everything you're going through at the same time. And then, so we're kind of looking near them. So we'll see. Honestly, my best <laughs> advice, literally. So at one stage, we nearly bought a house 800 metres from our besties. And I was like, amazing. This I would have bought opposite them. Honestly, mm. if a house had come up, I would have bought opposite I know, them. I know. Um, and I know. Because I just think that community and connection and like the 12 minutes walk and I genuinely was devastated when it was going to be 12 minutes I was like damn it is this too far and I was like okay I've got to put this back in context it's actually amazing <laughs> because have, it's amazing when you're pregnant it's amazing when you're in early stages and it's amazing for your kids because they all get to so um, when I was away at the weekend Brian and all the dads took all of the kids so there's three of them really close in age and took they took them all to the dead zoo and they had this like lovely dad date went to the dead zoo like showed the, like the kids are so young they were just thought it was deadly like it was all the, you know, all stuffed animals and oh, like bunnies. Okay. Where is and, that? Yeah, like the heard... National History Museum. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's like took them to Dad's too and then took them to Marion Square for some playground and then went and had pints in the pub. You know, Love we, it. At home, <laughs> it was six o'clock. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't out, out in the yes. way we could have considered community mm-hmm. and connection before. But it was enough that they, you know, they all filled their social cups. They mm-hmm. saw their people and our little people saw each other. So mm-hmm. I was getting sent these little pictures of Aya and her little best friend, Elle, walking around the Natural History Museum holding hands. Oh, we that's just, so cute. You know, yeah. So special. We had uh, Angela Scanlon on the podcast. Oh, I recently. adore Angela. Yeah. And we were chatting all things motherhood, yeah. all things jewellery. She actually has her own jewellery brand as well. My freckle, it's beautiful. Yes. I love her stuff. All the pearls are amazing. And we got chatting. She started off in Expose yes. doing seg- fashion segments. Yeah. And so did I, actually. You I did, did some a few bits. Yeah, but I was kind of, start- I had a blog at that point. Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of something yeah. I was trying out. But my first segment was with a jewellery brand. And I did not realise like the complexity of each piece, <laughs> yeah. like the metals, the, how they react to different skins. Like I didn't, I was doing the fashion side of things, yeah, you know. Yeah. And oh my God, wow. Like was that a big learning for you at the start? So jewellery is actually a really interesting thing because it's actually, it's engineering and design. Yeah. So whilst it's a design piece, ultimately it's also engineering. So you've got to make sure, so, you know, I think about something like our North Star signet. So that like North Star is such a huge piece for us. It's about the idea for GP that... So sailors navigate at night by following the North Star. Mm. So whether, and they've, it's literally been the same method for thousands of years. And whether you're going home 
or going on an adventure, you follow your North Star. And I've always just loved that idea that some of us are looking for adventure. Some of us are looking for home. Some of us are looking for connection. Some of us are looking for solo. And and I love the idea that you can follow your North Star. Mm. And so North Star has been such an important theme for us. But actually, when you think about it, when I made those first pieces, so North Star, the necklace and North Star, all the North Star pieces are hand made, hand modelled. So I would have made those very first pieces literally by hand. It's a form of torture. Because you basically are trying to take something in your brain and get it out into clay, like into a model of something real. So taking out and modeling the pieces. So like, you know, get the ring, model it. But then what happens next is we take the setting. So the actual technical setting that holds the diamonds in place. And that's 3D rendered in CAD and computer aided design. We 3D render. So actually we're working on our next collection at the moment. And it's just really mad. So like this is North Star as a current piece. And then I'm thinking about, you know, our next collection launching. So a gorgeous launch in July and another beautiful one in September and what the guys are doing at the moment is the same process where part of it is computer aided design mm-hmm. and then what happens for that so that computer aided design piece is CAD is then printed in wax using 3D printing so like mm. we're literally talking cutting edge technology so CAD 3D wax into printing and then cast and then the two pieces are assembled together and the casting process is called lost wax casting which has literally been around since the ancient Egyptians mm. so you're taking something that was developed in the last 10 years and marrying it with something that's thousands of years old and the two things together are make that, you know, that's that engineering piece around jewellery, which it is design, craft, inspiration, the story mm-hmm. of North Star, mm-hmm. the craft of making of Lost Wax casting, and then the technology of 3D printing. So mm. it's, it's um, every little, every piece is sort of a little marvel of the marriage of technology and storytelling. Mm. And I, the technology is always changing as well. Fascinating. With your relaunch, you've introduced yeah. lots of new high-end pieces. Yeah. What was the thinking behind that? It's been such fun. So we have, we're priced somewhere, which you be somewhere between about 300 quid and 30,000. Mm. So like that's, that range is wild. But when you think about it, that sums up the moments in your life, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not that everyone wants a 30,000 quid ring, but actually there's big moments in your life. You know, there's the day you get engaged, the day you get married, there's huge, big public milestones that are once in a lifetime. And there's also much smaller, quieter milestones. There's the, I survived, you know, just that was a week, that was a month, that was a year. Mm-hmm. I want a really beautiful pair of studs just to honour that moment. I want, a, I want a promise ring to mm-hmm. tell the person I love most in the world and then I'll come back and get the bigger diamond. Mm-hmm. And so we go across that huge big spectrum of different pieces so that we can serve our community at all of the moments in their lives. When we look at the moments we mark, it's you know, your first diamond, it's your 16th, your 18th, your 21st. It's graduation, it's first job, it's promotion. Mm-hmm. Then it starts becoming engagement, wedding, 30ths, 40ths. Mm. And then you start, and also then between that, you're moving into having your own babies. And then the journey starts all over again where you're gifting the gorgeous women in Mm -hmm. your life. And so we think about all all of that across. And for next chapter, so for our launch of our rebrand, for the new packaging, for the new logo, I wanted the pieces to be sort of a celebration of everything we do, everything that we do, the best of what we do. Mm. And so the ring is one in a trillion. So it's a a lab-grown diamond. So these are certified carbon neutral lab grown diamonds and they grow. They take a seed of a natural diamond, of a mined diamond and then subject it to the same heat and light and intensity and you can grow a diamond. Yeah. So it's basically take you get rid of the ethical concerns, no need to worry about conflict mm-hmm. diamonds, no need to worry about any of that and you get 
outrageously beautiful. Actually, I'm wearing this is from Next oh Decade Collection looking. And I'm so excited I got to wear the sample because we were... Um, what would you describe that shape as just for people who aren't watching the video? So, oh yeah, of course, it's basically an explosion of diamonds. Mm. Yeah, but it's that lovely idea. It's um, Queen of Stars. So that's a lovely idea of that starburst of diamonds. Yeah. Actually set the Such line. an unusual shape. I love yeah. it. It's cool, right? Mm. And it's that same idea. I've always been obsessed with unusual shapes. Me too. With that idea. Yes, that idea mm. of not just a classic. I love a classic round, and, but our like our most loved ring, Yumi and Magic, has a classic round in the centre, but then it has two little rounds set on the side mm. in this little three prong setting. So it's got this kind of gorgeous diamond fall off that almost makes it mm. look like a... It's called a marquise in diamond languages, diamond language, a marquise, but it looks like an eye. So it has this amazing kind of eye effect. And I've loved that. So likewise with the ring I'm wearing, that's from next chapter. With our ring, one in a trillion, it has an oval center and trillion, which is basically triangle Mm -hmm. sides. So there's these beautiful triangle sides. We then had one in a trillion, the necklace, which was like a little triangle diamond. I just thought, how cool would that be? Oh, the new collection is just beautiful, especially one in a trillion. Oh, well. You need to go, everyone listening, you need to go on <laughs> yeah, yeah, Instagram yeah. and look at it. I'm it's obsessed. amazing. And I, I also love your Instagram for all the stories that you tell. Well, like it's, I think that's one of the huge privileges. Like, you know, we are, because we're involved in these huge moments, like this huge intensity of, of love and loss and hope and all of the bits, um, we get told, like we, we know you're getting engaged before you do. Like yeah. we, we have your ring. We know the story. We know why the person, why your he or her fell in love with you, why they want to marry mm-hmm. you. Like we, you go through such a journey. Like our, you, if you read our Google reviews, you know just the reviews of the team in store and online. And so uh, we're in seventy countries around the world, but of only one store. So about half of what we do happens online, and half in our store. And you read the reviews of like our customer experience team, of our store team, and they're just insane like the reviews are off the charts I'm always telling the team they're so amazing because they're there at such emotional intensity yes. and that's why I think it's so important we share those stories yeah. because like you're just there's such a gorgeous story actually coming out this week oh my god because we um, went and asked sometimes we get busy and you're like oh god we actually need to ask everyone what are their amazing stories and like this incredible woman and just this roller coaster that she went on and then it like ends in her getting her engagement and how special it is and you just think like how lucky are we to be in in to get to be part of those moments yeah. to get I mean, to yeah mark them? It's incredible to be in a busy work day and to be to be like this is what we do. Huge, and this I would say story to brighten up anyone's week, you know. Literally, and like I would say, we share maybe like one percent of what we hear mm. because so many of the. Uh, you know, there's that wonderful phrase, which essentially you've no idea of, of what journey people are on. Yeah. You know, everyone is on this big journey and you look and you're like, oh, yeah, well, they're really successful and really perfect and everything's great. And actually, you then hear people's stories of what they're going on, what's happening to them, of all of the, of this incredible roller coaster of life. You Was know, there any standout stories recently that you can think of? I have a few that are really special to me. So one, um, just a few weeks ago, actually, I popped into store and I so rarely get to go in, but I just happened to pop in and I saw Katie, our store manager, was really deep in conversation with someone I was sharing it the other day and uh, I was like so I didn't want to interrupt her I was letting her be and she was like oh come over come over and it was these two amazing ladies who I'd say were in their 70s and we do this upgrade program so if you've bought something from us in gold plated sterling we used to make and have a collection that was gold plated and sterling silver so if you bought something from us in gold plated you can come back in and upgrade it into solid gold so it means you keep the memory the moment how special it was but we make it then in solid gold so you basically have it forever um and these two ladies both had initial necklaces. So we do these letter necklaces mm. with like, you know, people would get them for when they have a babe, for when, you know, it's a gorgeous present for like engagement, wedding, 30th. Um, and these two ladies had them. So it was all the letters of their grandchildren. Mm. And each, you know, each, had a letter for each. And then each of them both had a little disc with a star on it. 
And uh, they started telling me the story and they were like, oh, you know, this is you know, Leah. She was born, she's three, four years old now. And they were going through each of their grandchildren. And then when they got, each of them, when they got to the disc with the star on it, they said, you know, that was the grandchild I lost. So mm. it was one for miscarriage. Mm. And, one, and just, it was so amazing because as grannies and as mums, they were marking this incredibly heartbreaking moment that happens to so many women this you know this piece of loss and they were honouring it you know it wasn't just a forgotten moment that was like oh we're just going to park that and it's you know it happens and get over it for them it was a longed for wanted grandchild and even though in one of the cases it was very very early it was still loved and wanted and I just thought like that is an incredible thing to get to do you know and that's the story of the powerful story well, because we, we are, you know, so often we think about diamonds as like, you know, the day you get engaged, the day you get married, the big moments for love. And actually as women, our lives are so much more complex. Yeah. You know, you know I wear, I have um, my crown of hope. I wear it for, we found out seven years ago that we might not be able to have kids and I remember it was such a shock because you literally as a woman you spend your whole life trying not to get pregnant yeah. like you, you know yeah. your teens and mm-hmm. your 20s are all about not getting pregnant and then when we finally decided it was time for us and we realised you know we might not and I reframed wanting to have a baby into being we will start a family you know mm. being mindful I always find manifesting a little bit toxic because it's kind of it's a lot of privilege in manifesting. You know, so many books are like, oh yeah, Alex, I wanted to buy a house. And so like, I rang my friend and my friend was selling her house. So I was like, great, I bought a house. And I'm like, actually, the journey is so much more complex for many people. And so I couldn't have manifested a baby. It wasn't physically possible. I couldn't be like, I'm going to manifest a baby and I'll have a baby. Mm. But what I could do is reframe this huge loss into being, we'll start a family. Yeah. And not not have a baby, but for me, starting a family meant maybe we'd adopt, maybe we'd foster, whatever route it took us on, we would... we would, it out. Yeah, we'd options. start a family. Yeah. And so I made a ring called Crown of Hope that has five diamonds in it. Mm-hmm. And so there's five diamonds for the five years I knew it would take us on the journey. And for me, it helped reframing it, not within a year or two, but five. Mm. And so I wore it for, for her. And it ultimately actually became part of our collection, part of my collection, because... It just felt so right. People asked me for it and then I, and, and people wear it for very different reasons. No one else is, it was my very personal mm-hmm. journey of this five years and the diamond points forward for hope. And so it was crown of hope. And uh, I arrived four years into that journey, a little, yeah, a tiny rocket of love that arrived into our world. And we were so lucky to have her. And I made a crown of hope for her the year she was born. So I wear two. And mm. so when she's older, I'll give her hers and I'll have mine. And so that was my story. On And I, I always think about that of love, hope and everything in between. Do you think the goal for Chupi is still the same as when you started out? Yes. I think I probably got a little lost on the way at the start. I think I started with a really clear idea of I wanted to make pieces of the future mm-hmm. to mark the biggest moments mm-hmm. of people's life. But between year one and year four or five, I was probably still figuring it out and there's no map to starting a business. Mm. There's no roadmap, there's no route. It's why, you know, going for growth as a program is so phenomenal. So I did that very early. I did it in 15. So I was two years in and that probably really helped. It's an amazing program supporting female entrepreneurs who want to build businesses of scale Mm -hmm. and impact. And it's free, which is just such an amazing thing. So co-founded by Enterprise Ireland at KPMG. And that gave me some of the map. But those yeah. early years, definitely, yeah, that helped build them up. I did it again in 18, mm-hmm. which was really transformational. 
But yeah, definitely pieces of the future, mm-hmm. moments in your life. Uh, I think the bit that came afterwards was love, hope and everything in between. Yeah. So you give so much of your time to those programs that you spoke about and you've been involved in them and you were my lead entrepreneur when I did it last year. And we all, like my group still all get together and everything. Oh, like, so I'm helpful. so proud. I literally, every time you guys post and I'm still in the WhatsApp group yeah. that you're all in, I'm literally like a proud mom. I'm like, yeah. look at them all. They're still meeting up. They're it's still so helpful. Supporting each other and championing mm. each other. You know, you think like as everyone has been so amazing. Fiona from Riley, mm. and she won the award. Like you guys were all there championing And I met her, her for lunch on Thursday. She's pregnant. So she yes. gave me some advice. Such a huge, like that celebration. Mm-hmm. And you guys will be each other's board. Yeah, exactly. you will grow together and support each other, and that is it's why Ireland's been an amazing place to start a business. It's because women supporting women, we can do incredible things. Absolutely. So I have one more question for you before we finish up. What does the future hold for Chupi? It's such an exciting place having built Chupi to 10 now. And we've got this phenomenal team and this, we did a big fundraise um, last year. 3.75 so, million. 3.75 million. <laughs> yeah, no, it was wonderful. We've got phenomenal investors backing us, BVP and yeah. Abbey Finance, along with PTSB, like brilliant, brilliant team who really believe in the vision and get what we're doing. So uh, we've just launched Next Chapter. Next Decade is the next stage. We're going to open a beautiful flagship store. I cannot wait to show it to you. We're going to be uh, about 3,000 square feet it's oh absolutely God, divine uh, yeah I cannot wait uh, so we're going to open that we're going to launch the beautiful collection going to be divine look towards opening in our flagship store in London and then we're rolling out some store and store experiences across UK and Ireland really for me and I think in three year cycles the next three years are about UK and Ireland about London and Dublin about yeah, that expanding across out, out and into the country um, and that's what I want to do and then yeah on a personal level I'm just so happy Brian and I bought a house last year and settling in with my mom and I uh, watching her grow and change so yeah a really really exciting next couple of years yeah sounds so exciting thank you so much for giving up your time today it was my so such a pleasure to have you on I could have stayed here chatting all day oh my pleasure please <laughs> it's so lovely to be here thanks so much thank you so much for listening today I really hope you enjoyed that episode Chupi is just so inspirational ever since I've met her and she was my mentor and going for growth I find out every time I talk to her I get something from it she has so much experience to draw on and she has so many tools to kind of help with managing business and life and trying to get that balance right, even though it's so difficult at times. But I really hope you enjoyed it. You can listen back to previous episodes of Open Book. They're available on the Go Loud player and everywhere you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back on Monday with our bonus episode. 